I always remind my crew, at the end of the day, they're paying us for an experience. They're paying us to deliver a hassle-free experience on the move in and move out. So our job is to try and do that. And sometimes those unexpecteds can make that hard to do, but that is our job. Strong companies, lasting partnerships, powerful events. Welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Chris, I thought about you uh, about two weeks ago, or a little bit less, uh, as you were in the midst of all of your travels. I went on my own trip down south from where I'm at in Oklahoma to Austin, Texas, and uh, being completely unaware, I hit traffic. And can you guess what I ran into by chance? Hitting traffic in Austin, Texas? Yeah, I ran into South by Southwest traffic. Oh, the South by Southwest. Yeah. yeah. That's a biggie. It was a, a huge event. And I went and stopped by, uh, didn't pay the $2,000 badge price uh, to enter the event. But uh, I did get to walk around the city and really cool atmosphere. Have you been to South by Southwest? Uh, it's been a few years, but I have before COVID. And so I know the energy, great energy there. And yeah. um, nice to hear that the, well, sorry for your traffic woes, <laughs> but, it was, it was, but it was nice to hear that the, the attendance was back up and I've seen a lot of photos of the event. Yeah, it was re- really cool. Really cool event. Uh, but you went on, on your own events recently. I know you've, we've did some episodes about uh, your time over in Europe, but you've also been traveling yeah. elsewhere. Why don't you share a little bit about some of your uh, recent ex- ex- expeditions? Well, so um, the one I'm most excited about was last week. I was able to steal a week away. Um, so 70 days um, from January 1 till when I snuck off for a week's vacation. And I've been traveling for 42 of them. So, <laughs> you know, the January one was was amazing. I think I was in Las Vegas for about four weeks with uh, the CES show that went right into the SHOT show and the Builder show and the World of Concrete show. And it was that's just relentless. And then um, Orlando's been just as busy. And uh, uh, recently, um, you know, just this week, I think today we're in day two or three, moving out the Con Ag, Con Expo show, which is a once every three year uh, event in Las Vegas. I think 80, 85,000 was the number of, uh, attendees, uh, and exhibitors. And, uh, we're another big annual Orlando show is the global pet expo, Mm. um, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, uh, pet accessories. So, um, that's going in right now. So, um, yeah, it is, uh, once again, just amazing to see the recovery in terms of, um, business activity and energy on the face-to-face event marketing side. So we are, yeah, we're back and busy, man. Back and busy, and we're we're going to talk today about how it's not so pretty. Uh, you know, it's back and busy does not mean clean and pretty. It does not. Yes, it does not. And so, you know, with this podcast, we really want to be sharing wisdom about how we're running through all the challenges that we're going through. You know, it started even before we had the podcast with how you were really leading the charge with Capitol Hill's efforts to revive the industry uh, and really help sustain the industry through the the difficult time of the pandemic. Um, and you did a great job of covering that and 
there's still challenges going on, even though the pandemic's past us and behind us, there's still aftershocks. But even just in general in business, there's always challenges that we're trying to overcome. And that's what we're going to talk to about today, the unexpecteds and how to manage them. From your side of yeah. things, the unexpecteds are up, right? No, they really are. And so, um, yeah, I was, you know, we learned a lot about unexpected and really conditioning ourselves <clears throat> on how to react during um, the pandemic, right? Maybe the biggest unexpected of, of all time. Um, and so being back and busy is great, but many disruptions still exist. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with our listeners. You know, I was, um, I was reminded, Cleo, you're always so great in preparing for this weekly session with me. <clears throat> and I'm forever for, you know, a little sneak peek for listeners. I'm the guy that comes sliding into third base 15 minutes, you know, before, you know, the morning of the show and our, and our pregame. And I go, man, I'm sorry. I just feel like I'm not ready for this topic or whatever. And Khalil who coaches um, small businesses in, in a variety of other industries, right. He's always great about listening to me and go, well, what's going on. <laughs> right. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm still a real working guy at my company. And this is what's, this is what's, these are the dragons I'm slaying and have distracted me from better preparing for our show. And he goes, well, tell me about it. And I'll, we'll go through it. And I'll go, God, this is exactly the kind of stuff you've been talking about sharing, right? This is the kind of, you know, build back and business wisdom that, you know, we should be doing an episode about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. And so inevitably I ask for a two day reprieve and I call like a dozen and a half of my owner friends or business leaders. And I go, Hey, this is a topic we're thinking about. And so this week, what set me off while I was on vacation last week was the, um, the craziness in the banking industry. Yeah. Right. And so here I am trying to take a week off, but as two banks collapse and then I read in day two, um, you know, six or eight other banks that are now on the watch list for credit review. Um, one of them was a top eight bank, which is a bank that one of the banks I bank at. And I'm going, well, you know, we're insur FDIC insured, $250,000. <laughs> and I'm going, well, wait a minute. $250,000 is not per account. It's per account holder. So if you have four or five accounts at the bank, you're going to combine all those. And I'm realizing, well, between our, you know, again, many small business businesses do this. So we have our main operating account. And then we have our cost of goods account, which we move money to when we're buying things. And there's the sales tax account that we move, you know, the sales tax we collect to, and then there's a payroll account. And so I realized we're way over $250,000 and I'm going, are we vulnerable? So I'm going, we got to move some money yeah. to a different bank or what do we, anyway, um, talk about unexpected. I, you, if you have, would have ever told me someday, you're going to have to worry about keeping too much money <laughs> at a bank and going, that's not going to be my problem. But I think a lot of businesses this week face that. So yeah. um, anyway, it was that instance that triggered me telling Khalil, I, look, I've been distracted with this other stuff. And he goes, well, what other kind of unex unexpected stuff are you seeing? And I realized there was more than a few. Spoiler alert. If you are in the business event industry, right, we deal with unexpected. You know, every exhibit, you know, any of us build. You, you know, has five, six, eight, 10 variables that you have little to no direct control over. <clears throat> I can't tell how quickly 
Um, I have no influence over how the speed with which the tractor trailer number 183 in line gets to the dock and gets unloaded. I can't hustle along the electricians at the Las Vegas Convention Center or at Mandalay Bay any faster because I work in the industry. So there's those things that are sort of what we know is known unexpected. But I do feel, Khalil, that there is there seems to be a rise in greater measure of the really the unknown unexpected. The banking thing is a great example of that. Um, and I think a lot of these things are a result of the other supply chain disruptions. For example, the labor shortage, um, as an example. Con Ag, Con Expo's moving out this week. You and I were talking at the break before, and I said, uh, we're in day two of move out. There's 1,100 trucks. They're still waiting to be loaded. That is an abnormally high number of trucks waiting. And I'm sure it's, be- it's not just because it's a big show. And it is a big show. Um, it's because there's a labor shortage. There's a trucking shortage. There's a trailer shortage, right? There's, there's, there's a lot of reasons. Um, Global Pet Expo is moving in right now in Orlando. We're in day two or three of the move-in. But the hanging signs, you know, we've got a lot of the exhibits we've finished building, but the signs aren't flown yet because they're running two to three days behind on the pre-ordered hanging sign orders, the people that ordered weeks before. And yet there's just, it's moving slower. It's like molasses is in the system and it's inexperienced labor and it's not enough labor. And, you know, whatever the case is, my point is all of those things then have consequences to the customer, cost consequences and there's a domino effect uh, in the disruption. So I just, all of a sudden when we were talking, I realized this would be a really good topic of conversation. And when I called, you know, half a dozen of my friends uh, yesterday and today, it was, they were like, oh, let me tell you what I, you know, this is where I'm hearing other stories. So um, yeah, so this is, this is, this is not going away anytime soon. And I feel like we should spend a little time unpacking this about how to, how to better prepare for Absolutely. I think events probably deals with this more than anybody. Maybe the food industry might have some of this as well, but more than anything, the unexpecteds are huge in the event industry. Um, So let's, let's talk about some of the, you know, you've already mentioned some of the general things from personal hiring to, you know, basic business costs going up to supply chain issues. It's just, it can be really hard to manage. I know that there were some really specific events that you dealt with uh, in the past several weeks. What were, what were, I think you got eight. Let's go through those eight specific examples. Um, well, again, I think just this week, we saw a lot of business owners and financial executives realize who would have thought, you know, we need a strategy to diversify how we store the company's savings and operating cash. And that would be the thing the money that you need relatively quickly for a variety of things um, on any given week or month. So um, I'm not talking about long-term savings and maybe a company has a mutual fund or, or what have you. I, th- so that is, that's now going to become a thing. As I've, I've talked to some um, owner, friends and financial leaders, they're like, yep. Um, and I, as you, you know, it's, this problem may solve itself as the, U.S. banking industry is going, hey, I know we have $250,000 as insured uh, for insured accounts in the FDIC. We all see those four letters, FDIC. But it's been an awful long time since that number's been updated. <laughs> so has. that 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 may take take care of itself. Um, uh, 
And by the way, what forced this? I think it became real when, you know, you saw one or two banks where, you know, they grew so quickly and, and, uh, you know, the Silicon Valley bank, which was, I think the one that started off, they said, you know, they have like $150 billion of deposits of accounts that are over that $250,000 threshold. So that means they're uninsured deposits and all at once, a bunch of people freaked out and they go, I got to take my money out of there and put it someplace else or spread it out or whatever. And it just starts to run in the bank, puts a bank at risk. Um, I think I mentioned, I, I, I think our industry was stress test this week, like with the con ad con expo show I mentioned and global pet. And we're seeing firsthand how ready is our industry really on the logistics and the freight and the transportation uh, to be back for those types of big active shows. And we're realizing, um, you know, we're not clean and pretty yet, as I said. Um, I, you know, just as we look, Khalil, it, with our own shipments in and out of our two facilities in Vegas and Orlando. So we're seeing just, let's use freight as an example. We're experiencing what I would call unexpected mistakes uh, in, I'll be kind and say one out of three shipments. So for hmm. example, um, we say, Hey, we've got eight pieces that are going to be moving to Atlanta for a show. And they show up with a 26 foot truck and not either a 40 foot or a 53 foot trailer. And so everything's not going to fit in that truck. Well, somebody at dispatch was new, um, or we get somebody that does pick up a shipment. And, you know, it's not being delivered in, a, in an, an efficient way. And we find out the driver was new mm. and he picked up freight and he drove directly over to the convention center. He didn't know that you have to check in five miles away. It's something called the marshalling yard where all the trucks for that show meet, check in, and then they are dispatched in an orderly fashion, first come, first serve, uh, to the convention center. So that alone can cause delays, right? So, um, a poor, in that case, it may be a poor understanding. Oh, yeah, no, I'm a driver. We, I have my CDL. and <clears throat> Okay, but you really don't know anything about the trade show process. Anyway, we're finding, again, so this is really the, the labor and the hiring and the experience uh, challenges there. Um, but, I, you know, it's silly. I mean, I don't know where this fits in. We've had more checks mailed this year to the wrong address or delivered to the wrong address. So is that a new mail carrier, <laughs> right? It's, it's the right address is on the check. So, you know, that it's just, that's insane. We're seeing more, um, we get to show site to move in, a, um, you know, a, somebody else's project and the electrical order is incorrect or some of the show services aren't ordered. Anyway, these are, some of these can be anticipated, but there is a, there's a much higher volume we're seeing right now and I equate that to, you know, our operational readiness, you know, yeah. collectively in the build back process. Well, and it's hard to be operationally ready whenever you're dealing with such high, uh, not necessarily turnover, but just new employees into the space. You're dealing with all sorts of challenges yeah. on top of that, that those challenges may not fit what your processes were before the pandemic, uh, because supply chain is different and, you know, oh, it's so and, true. Yeah. And so it, it, it just comes with new territory for, for different people in the industry. Uh, it, it's bound to happen. But today we want to talk about how to manage those ex, uh, the, the unexpected, uh, not necessarily just managing expectations, but managing unexpected expectations. So 
the first question I have, and we can kind of knock this around a little bit, but how do you personally, Chris, deal with the unexpected? I delegate. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. um, uh, you know, so the thing is when, when something unexpected happens, Khalil, in the event business, um, I think the natural instinct is everybody's temperature rises, right? Because they're uncomfortable. It's not going according to plan. And it really, in a lot of ways, it's predictable. And yet um, we work with <clears throat> a lot of um, white collar executives who are used to being in charge and getting things done and, and done efficiently. And now you're in this environment where all these variables have to come together, which you have little to no direct control over or influence over. And so they, um, they can get frustrated quickly and easily when unexpected things happen. So I think the first thing you have to do is you, you have to stay calm um, and, and make sure that your people, you, you got to talk to your staff and coach them up about, you know, remember, um, natural reaction, somebody's going to get emotional. And I'm going to remind you that in that moment at show site, you are the one person that can help them. And so you don't want to flex that or throw that at them, um, but take comfort in knowing that you're their best option. And so we talk a lot about, you know, language we use and how you talk in that in that moment. But um, before we even get to the moment, Khalil, we spend a great deal of time at our company in being prepared and, and gaming out those things that could happen. Never could ha imagine the bank. Imagine if your cash were frozen and you couldn't make payroll. I mean, that was just really an extreme, sure. but if something is breaking or, or somebody no shows and something goes MIA um, and it's, or something's held at customs or, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, uh, you know, our company and you, you know enough. And I think some of the listeners know enough about who we are. We're really structured to, to bring more resources to bear in the markets we do business in. Than, than most of the partners, uh, which might be labor companies, uh, as an example, that's probably the biggest group of, of in-city uh, partners that get leaned on. Um, but we have a shop and we have 100 drop-in-place counters and we have 75 AV monitors and we have some emergency rental furniture. And what we don't have, we have a really good local collective of partners <clears throat> that will be responsive to us that we can bring to bear. And it's why we're not everywhere because I just I we can't duplicate that in, you know, in the top twenty U.S. cities. But where we do hang our shingle, we want to make sure we can do that. So a big part of our our readiness is, you know, we pay attention to um, the things we know will happen. If you're a small um, exhibit house uh, or an exhibitor and you do five shows a year. Um, you obviously have some experience with, with, with what could go wrong, but when you do 55 builds a month in the same city, we really have a peek at, at the types of things that, that the sort of the, um, known unexpected things that could go wrong, but we've, you know, what's the, what's that farmer's insurance motto, Khalil, we, we know a thing or two cause yeah. we've seen a thing or two, yeah. that guy, right. We, we really have. And so. We've made a deeper investment to be to be more ready, I think, than the average um, company because 55, 60 projects a month. Yeah. You know, we, and, and we're blessed to work in towns where there's a volume of work so we can we can support that investment. But 
I don't know that I could do that if I were opening up an office in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Right. Or Poughkeepsie, New York. Well, Not, nothing against those towns, <laughs> but. But I think that's also that intentional decision to only operate in those two cities is even a way of preparing for the unexpected because yep. it minimizes your risk to not knowing what's going to happen in a city that you've never been in before that you only touch yeah. once a year. Right. So, uh, totally, totally a, a good strategy there for the unexpected. I think dealing with the unexpected, it becomes a challenge when you're not calm, like you said, and you operate off your emotions. So much of being able to handle problems and find solutions is being able to think clearly and logically, not emotionally. Um, I think defining the problem really helps you to deal with the unexpected because yeah, you may deal with something temporarily, but there are so many side effects to the graphic not showing up on time or the crew not showing up on time or uh, not being able to get into the warehouse. So with all of these unexpected things that could come up, being able to truly identify and define the problem and all of the, the, the side effects and consequences of that problem happening will help you so much to deal with the unexpected. Um, but I think another- By the way, I, yeah. I think it's worth noting, I don't think this is just- an operations manager problem. I don't no. think this is just a installer's problem. I think if you are an event professional, whatever your position is, this industry, this is now touching everybody. Cool. So for example, um, you know, as an owner or a financial manager, it was banking last yep. week. But um, if you're a designer, um, man, you get hit with unexpected changes all the time, which sound like it's, oh, I'm just doing a rendering a little different. No, when you, when you re have to redesign something, you have to think about the buildability. You have to think about the cost consequences of it. If you're the project manager, same thing. You know, if you're a, if you're the account executive, right. And you know, your big account that you've spent, you know, three or four or five years pouring into the relationship and in this current job market with people flipping and changing so often, all of a sudden you get noticed that your main contact that you're fully invested in is now gone. And now there's another person and you're back to square one. Talk about unexpected. Yeah. Right. Same with biz dev. How about your, um, man, we've got a great partner and they are, they have spent the last several years deep down the rabbit hole penetrating the, the cryptocurrency industry. Yeah. Right. And so they were, it was rocking and rolling and then boom, <laughs> it hit a wall or it's, it's up and down. And all of a sudden, you know, the future looks different right there. Right. And so you, again, any industry that gets hit with a recession. Yeah. Um, you, so I, there isn't a, there isn't a person I know, a position I know in our industry, Quill, that's, that's, that personally doesn't have to deal with, with unexpected. And I, I believe in greater quantities. Yeah. I think, I think that's the importance also of having generalists on your team because they are able to handle the unexpected and the problems and truly find, holistic solutions much better than the specialist where the specialist's view is so laser focused. You do need specialists on your team, but for dealing with the unexpected, they may not see the whole picture. And the generalist is going to be thinking of how it touches all areas of your business or many areas of your business much better than the specialist will. So that's, that's always something I think with the unexpected too, though, you do need to decide quickly. Nothing is worse than just lingering in the unexpected and just bathing in a problem for days and days. You need to be quick and act quickly. Uh, make the decision and 
you know, an executed plan is typically much better than a plan that never comes to fruition. So come up with a plan and then go and execute it, right? And keep everybody aligned. I think another challenge that happens, a way to deal with the unexpected really well is to communicate. At the end of the day, it all comes down to communication, in my opinion. But if you can communicate clearly what the problem is, how we're going to approach it, what needs to happen, who needs to do what, and who's in charge, how we're, what, how we're going to um, you know, follow up with the client, how we're going to find a new solution. All these things are come down to communication. And if you can communicate well and be calm, cool, collected, uh, it'll, it'll help and do wonders for dealing with the unexpected. There was a situation recently that I thought of. Uh, I, was, I was dealing with someone who was very upset, uh, would be a, an understatement, about a problem. And they were rightfully upset. But they were so emotional about it that it, it wasn't going to lead to a, uh, you know, a positive solution. And there's a really great book called Nonviolent Communication. Um, it's more of like a textbook. So don't go and just pick it up and decide to listen to the audiobook version. But it is a good book, Nonviolent Communication. And it, in one of the sections, he talks about the impact of just lowering your voice to a whisper. And with the, the problem that people have with a whisper is that if they're talking, if they're trying to talk, they can't hear you. And so immediately they listen. And we're accustomed to hearing a whisper almost like it's a secret. And so in this situation, I just, I came up, I said, hey, listen, I'm so sorry that this happened. This, you're, you're so right. You're completely screwed. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah. if you, if you, if you just lower your voice, it has such a impact. And immediately whenever he responded, he didn't need to yell because he could talk at a normal pitch and be speaking over me. So if that's what he was trying to accomplish, he didn't have to yell. And because he's not yelling, then he can talk more logically and he can see that we're trying to solve the problem. So that's just a simple tip. But obviously, there's so many things that you can talk about with the unexpected and how to deal with it. But I think leading by example and, and being calm, cool, collected yourself will really help ease the tension in a situation. Yeah. Being the voice of reason, not emotion. Identify your problem and uh, define it very clearly, not just for yourself, but your, to your team and communicate what the plan is very thoroughly and clearly to everybody involved, client, team, uh, vendor, whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, make it a quick decision about it. You know, you, um, that's a great point. And I love the idea of lowering your, your voice inflection because I've, that's, I've, I've seen that and felt that work both as a person as a recipient of and and the solution provider um you know in our business again you do a volume business you're going to have you know more than a few things go wrong over the course of a year so i've had some experience with and you learn some of those phrases khalil that can help you know sort of get everybody back on calm footing and for example i i think one of my go-to phrases as you walk in and you can feel the tensions just at an all-time high, and you let somebody just rant and vent and go through what the problem is according to however they want to describe it, and you say, well, give me a minute to huddle up with so-and-so, and then you come back and you go, okay, so again, I I think there's a couple of options that we have here. Yeah, um, They're not unlimited, but let's run through what they are, and then let's talk about... Um, the consequences of each one, both on time and or cost, 
Um, and then you help prioritize, um, you know, what happens based on what the most important things are. So, um, you know, it's how many times have we all had to learn how to say no to a customer without saying no. Yeah. <clears throat> I've had a customer on a Sunday want to, want to lazy Susan, a $150,000 exhibit, 180 degrees on a Sunday at double time. And you don't want to say no. And you just want to say, well, we've got some options. Let's run through what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then talk about the cost consequence consequences of doing that. And, um, and it, you know, so, you know, first of all, doing all that's going to change the electrical layout, right? Based on where your video walls and your, so everything has to come off the floor. We have to go back down to bare concrete. So some of those components we can slide off the floor and that'll take quite a few men to do that and leave it intact. Other things we're going to have to dismantle and then reassemble. And anyway, once you start to go through things, or maybe another option would be we can float a sign over that main aisle or facing this way that's going to attract the crowd that you want that you think would be better if the booths were facing the other way. Anyway, they just, but once you just, one, make sure that that customer who's probably used to making decisions gets to make a decision, right? Mm. And, uh, but, but um, I, I always remind my, my crew, at the end of the day, they're paying us for an experience. They're not paying us for the thing that we're, the booth, the thing we're setting up. I mean, I know they are, but um, they're paying us to deliver a, a hassle-free experience on the move in and move out. So our job is to try and do that. And sometimes those unexpecteds can make that hard to do, but um, that is our job. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I'm, so I always tell people, and by the way, how many companies, Khalil, do you coach mm -hmm. when they say, well, why should they do business with you? And they say, well, service. Our service is the reason to do business with us. But isn't it true that usually with service, something has to go wrong in order for you to prove that your service is exceptional? So I'm not usually afraid of when I hear about something that didn't go, go perfectly. I'm more concerned with how did we respond. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How did we get it done? Definitely. I think it's it's very true that even though your processes can be you, you can basically not have a problem and the you basically just met the customer's expectations sometimes. Yeah. And so it's really yeah. how you react and how you respond in the times of, oh no, how are we gonna make this happen? That you're really gonna show your value and your worth to a client. Um, and some people will be able to understand, wow, I didn't have any issues with them, I'm using them again. Uh, but it's not until they go and they work with someone else where they have all these issues like, wait, I'm going to go and use this yeah. company because yeah, they yeah. were fantastic and I didn't have issues. I, st I don't want to bury the headline here. Um, it is so easy when something unexpected derails the plan that everybody's focus comes to that, Khalil. And, mm -hmm. and that's the thing for the next two days. It's you have to continue to serve the customer and move the project forward. While you're solving this new unexpected problem, you have to walk and chew gum at the same time. You can't just, and if you're, it's so easy to make this, you know, the thing that everyone is focused on. And trust me, that's not a good thing for you, right? You don't want the client to remember this above all else about their show. Um, it's, 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 it's a curveball. It's happening. Here's what we're doing about it. Let's keep setting up this over here. Let's keep doing this here. We have that private event we're doing for you over here. I know you have a prep conference in the morning. Why don't you get ready for that? Just keep the entire, you know, event moving forward. And um, 
and and if you you know to the degree you can let's de-emphasize the the uh the negative surprise while we're solving that problem yeah yeah for sure well with the unexpected you you have these known unexpected like you've mentioned what are the processes that you can have in place as a company to deal with the known unexpecteds so Again, I would I would strongly suggest if and if you're seeing this at your company, and by the way, some of this might be in your own company, not just at right. show site. Um, I think having a reserve of materials. We, so if we know the supply chain is disrupted, we're keeping a hundred sheets of white, you know, Centra infills, and we're keeping fifty sheets of black in inventory, and we're keeping, you know, a dozen sheets of a uh, of clear acrylic. Um, we're we're keeping things that we we know we may need in an emergency situation. We didn't used to do that uh, as consistently. We might've done it in a busy run. We're just doing that all the time now. We've upped our inventory of high frequency request items like custom shelving and light boxes and drop in place, you know, sexy looking counters or uh, reception stations, um, some emergency furniture, um, you know, we're not stocking 32 inch monitors anymore. It's everything's got to be smart TVs and we have to have a, a ready available, uh, inventory of, you know, fifties and 65 inch and 75 and even 85 inch TVs, just because, you know, we're, we're not in that business per se, but we're in the problem solving business. Right. So, um, for sure doing that. Um, I think the, I think one of the best things that help helps my people, be prepared for those moments is um, our process of um, we put every, we have a hot wash after every show. And, and mm. you know, that was, I have a brother in the uh, brother-in-law in the military. And so they, after every mission they go out on, they have a hot wash and they, whatever went well, whatever didn't go well, they talk about it. Right. And so we talk about it and um, man, the things you learn, by the way, when they come back from being deployed at, at, at a, in a, in a, in a, in a hot LZ, as he says, all they want to do is go back in and train more. They just want to, they just want to stay sharp. And I think that's part of what field operators do, uh, in our industry as well. Um, if, if we, um, if we got out there and, you know, it's, Hey, we, it's, yes, you forgot the banding toolbox and you forgot this. I'm talking about, man, we got to have a, um, we got to have a fabric cutter on the show floor when we have this many projects or we have to have, um, you know, certain tools or a pipe cutter. We got to have the, uh, we got asked, we are always getting asked to drill, you know, uh, the two inch wire management holes in college. You bet everybody's got to have one of those in their toolbox. Right. <laughs> anyway. So some of it's tool readiness like that. Others is just, um, protocol of how we do things. You get there. First thing a guy does once the crew starts unpacking crates and taking photographs of what we see there, Somebody's going to the service desk and they're checking on the service orders. We don't want to find that out and be delayed two hours of waiting for electricians if we could have been two hours earlier in the line. So a lot of it's just talking to each other during um, between move it and move out half times and 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 post show um, uh, wrap ups. So um, I think when things happen a second or third time, shame on you if you're not prepared for it. Right. Um, a mistake is what did they used to tell us? A mistake. It is an investment. If you don't make it again, it was an investment. It's just an expense. If you keep watching it happen over and over again. Yeah. So it reminds um, me of, uh, 
<laughs> that clip of George W. Bush. I think he gets it right, but he just acts like he doesn't get it right. Uh, when he says, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on you. <laughs> and he, it, it's like, it's it's mixed up, but it's just a really yeah. funny clip. Always enjoyed well, his speeches. Yeah. Um, by the way, one of the things I, I love about those hot wash meetings, I learn more from the, the men and women on the floor that we're going through it when it's happened because they have a perspective clear that yeah. no manager does. They just do. And they go, um, I remember we were, um, we were talking about fabric and, you know, the fabric is everywhere. I mean, just huge, big, beautiful, expensive, you know, grand format graphics. So we were talking about, um, hanging signs and we said, well, what's the most important thing to know when we're remember? hanging signs. And I was thinking about making sure the sign is square, the hardware is tubes are squared and they're locked and connected. And, you know, I'm just thinking like a guy in the office as I'm talking. Yeah. And one guy goes, you know what he said? Most important thing with hanging sign gloves, white gloves. So you don't, because your hands get so dirty. Mm. Right. And what, and let me tell you, it is a pain in the neck to, to try and chase out dirt on white fabric because Whatever commercial grade cleaner you use, it can white can just get grayer and grayer, and uh, and that's not the look anybody wants. But it was that that is a um, that was a perspective that you just it takes somebody on the ground to really know that it really does. So. And I think just like you talked with this hot wash, it's so important to do something before the event, before the project gets kicked off. Have some sort of huddle where you ask your team, hey, what could go wrong here? Right. And think through that as a team. It's so helpful to know. I mean, they have a perspective that's different, you know, just like the gloves. If you're doing that ahead of time between it before every project, before every event, before every setup, yeah. it's it's going to really set an expectation for the unexpected, right? That we're aware of what could go wrong. So to your point with, so, um, you know, we, we talk in our office about project management. There's really two phases of project management. There's what we call the the pursuit and solicitation phase, right? That's the, you know, there's a project manager involved in that and that there's estimating and there's design and you're putting your presentation package together for uh, for the sales or the, the the biz dev team. And, and, and there's some back and forth and changes and all that. But at some point when a client commits up to doing a project with you, um, then we go to what we call handover circle, right? And so that's where we have what's called a launch meeting. And this is where the, it moves from, the pursuit phase down into, into production. And so the, it's critical that we get the right people are at that launch meeting and there's somebody from production and there's somebody from field operations because they think and hear things differently. And we have the, you know, the relationship managers there and the project manager who's going to be involved in is there, but everybody, and usually there's somebody from accounting there, right? Because they're listening for this, for the spend, the materials that have to be ordered and what's going to be, so those, it, it's, it doesn't have to be a long meeting. It might be 15 minutes, bigger projects. It might be an hour, but it's an important meeting because um, people listen differently. And to your point, that's your opportunity. You don't have to ask questions what could go wrong. They're going to tell you by the questions they ask what can go wrong. So, for example, you know, you, we're, we're do, we're do, we just shipped a big project that's uh, uh, moving in in Las Vegas and it's 
it's a six figure project and it's beautiful fabric graphics and it's a series of boxes to look like giant cardboard boxes and and um, cool stuff happening inside secret rooms and there was a speakeasy inside and all this great stuff and um, but the field ops guy is asking questions about well are we going to have this on site or who's going to be doing the adhesive okay so make sure I got a guy to do vinyl wraps and overlays because we're going to be doing that whereas you know not your average installer is going to be an expert at doing that. So anyway, um, we're going to do AV monitors. Okay. Are we going to have a hot knife there? Something that's going to allow us to cut the fabric, but cauterize the edges so it doesn't run and have loose threads and that tear gets bigger. Anyway, it, the people, the people that they, I got great people. And I think a lot of our, you know, our companies in our industry do get the right people in that meeting to make sure that your planning is done with all the right voices, the engineering people and the buildability people yeah. and the graphic people and the install people, everybody should have some eyes on it. I'll tell you, I, the scariest projects are the ones where everything meets for the first time on the show floor. That's <laughs> the most expensive place to learn. It's the most expensive place to fix mistakes. It's the most frequent place that the unexpected show up in our business. Yeah, for sure. That's really good. That's that's a that's a really good point. I think uh, one thing that we haven't touched on just yet is how we prepare clients for the unexpected, because just as important as it is to go through it as a team, it's really good to set those expectations up front with a client. How is what's something that you guys do at Crew XP to to prepare clients for the unexpected? Uh, <clears throat> well, we've got those clever little models like, well, we may be slow, <laughs> but we're expensive. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Man, you know, a couple things. I always like to make sure. Um, are you sending in a traveling supervisor? Hmm. Can we have a conversation about what that means? That's not the salesperson that sold it that doesn't know anything about the exhibit. So, my question is Is there somebody from your shop, if you've done the dress rehearsal there, or if, if you're going to be part of our team building it for you? I want to make sure we're putting you on our project management team. So you're included and your job is to chase down the, <clears throat> the client artwork and any, <clears throat> excuse me, any equipment that we need to integrate, whatever the special attention details are, we got to be making sure we're, we're, we're all on the same page in the same team. So um, I think that's a big part of it. Khalil is just setting expectations that um, we're only going to be as good as the information you provide us. And you can't ask us too many questions and want to make sure you're available for us to ask you many, any, but uh, our motto is we insist on doing a full dress rehearsal on a, on a build that we're doing for a partner. We want that full dress rehearsal. We'd love you to come in. If not, we're happy to turn on the ring cams and let you do internet previews, but the dress rehearsal is where, um, is, is, is where you, you find out fit and finish issues and buildability issues and, you know, any questions, let's find it out. Not in the most expensive place, <laughs> not where we have all the variables that show up where we have little to no get, uh, direct control over. We want to, we want to run into those things if possible. Yeah. And when we have to skip the dress rehearsal, it's, and, and we hate doing that, but it's what happens when lead time gets away and, Clients aren't able to get artwork in in time and there's not going to be enough time to do the dress rehearsal. And we just know, no, 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 no. We know it's going to happen. We're going to have, um, we're going to have some challenges that show up 
at show site because our risk is higher because we didn't yeah. get the dress rehearsal. I mean, anybody that's out there that loves the theater, can you just imagine, right? Um, showing up for, for, for performance and the actors never got to walk through a set before and they don't know the blocking and they didn't even get to run their lines together. Yeah. Right. And it's just, anyway, there's tons of analogies we can use, but, um, um, if we really want to deliver that end user, that brand side client, a hassle-free experience, um, we just, we, we want to play the game having already played it. Right. Yeah. There's a reason teams practice. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that's yeah. so good. I love, I love the rehearsal aspect of it and doing it not on the show floor where they're more expensive, uh, where the problems are more expensive. I think always being upfront with clients when there's an issue is super helpful. And again, like if something unexpected happened at a show and the next week you got another show in the same place with another client, tell them what happened. So they're prepared. Right. And this yeah. is how, this is the plan we have in place to address that, you know, share information and share lessons learned with clients. It's always going to go a lot farther than hiding those details from people. So. I think la the last thing I point I'd make Khalil is in our business. And I know, I know our experience builders, listeners know this, um, Unexpected is just a part of what we do. Mm -hmm. and, and we're talking about some very extraordinary things that are, seem to be happening now and um, more challenging. Readiness is even more important. But um, so you asked, how do we set expectations? Talk about them. Talk about that there's going to be some, particularly the larger the project. So there's a reason that we don't do, you know, if we're just doing the labor, for example, we don't do a guaranteed price on something that's going to be, you know, five or six guys over three or four days to, to set it up because we just know that in the actual show floor environment, because in the dress rehearsal environment, we don't have one union for electrical. Mm -hmm. We don't have another union bringing the freight. We don't have close quartered other competitors and exhibitors that are taking up aisles and, and doing stuff or, or people, you know, maybe trying to grab something out of your job box or your ladders walk up. We don't have things that slow us down. So when they're, and by the way, we don't have clients that are on site making scope of work changes like it happens, you know, half the time at show site. So my point is um, there's probably, we, so we do what we call a track and reconcile bill on labor or uh, at the end of the show. And so we take great notes. So I like to give our partners every single day we go, we anticipated 128 man hours to move everything in for the complete install. Here's what it is each day. Four men on day one for eight hours, four men day two for eight hours, three men eight hours, day three, whatever it is. And you go, I'll give you an up or down count of how we're doing. Here's where we're at um, on our progress. We're right where we thought we would be on day two. Um, we're, we, we had one guy less, but we made up the work. So we're actually eight hours in the bank. Right. If we're over and very often that's because of an unexpected delay of it could be the hanging sign guys took too long to wait. We couldn't get started or the carpeting didn't show up in time or whatever it was. And so we always go at halftime. Here's where it's at. And we will try to make up some of those hours on the dismantle and repack. We're in it together. And so we're managing your project. And very often we're really good. So if we can do that. We will we will make up. time. But we have a conversation about it beforehand. I don't. Nobody should get a bill at the end of the show uh, from a from an EAC contractor. They get bills from the general contractor all the time that are unexpected, but they shouldn't have. It shouldn't be an unknown with a partner that you've contracted with. You should be kept informed the whole time and know and know why. And again, whether it's a scope of work change, whether it's a mistake. Hey, man, if my guy 
laid out one of your graphics and he, on, on an, a, a printed sheet of acrylic and he put a ladder on the edge of it and shipped and cracked it. Believe me, that cost is on me. And I, my guys know to tell me the minute it happens, because we're going to get it into production before the show opens. We'll have it fixed. And it, anyway, you just, you know, that doesn't happen very often, but you got to, you know, you got to be stand up uh, guys in that situation. Yeah. But you're all on the project team together. The expectation is it's it's not going to go according to what the forecast was. It's just too big a project. You know, have you ever built a house or had a friend that built a house? You know, there's always a punch list left over. There were some changes they made. I'm changing the railing. Hey, we want to add a couple steps here. That's too big a drop. Whatever it is. Same thing happens when we're building um, portable branch offices for three days at a time. So, yeah. Um, so that, I guess that's, that was, would be my last, how to set expectations. Let's, let's just make sure we're communicating day by day what the progress is. Communication. Yes. Such, such a key aspect of it. Well, a lot of different, uh, tidbits here about the unexpected. I'm sure a lot of people relate. I hope that the advice tips and, uh, little feedback that we provided were helpful for people. And I'm sure there's things that we missed. I'm sure there's some people out there that have some really great advice for dealing with the unexpected or maybe even some horror stories of the unexpected that you truly just couldn't control. So we'd love to hear from listeners. If you've got something, shoot us an email. You can find an a email in the show notes uh, or reach out to Chris directly and uh, share some of your experiences. Then we'll, we'll talk about them sometime on the podcast. But Chris, I think this was a really helpful episode. Hopefully there's less unexpecteds uh, in your business, but I don't really have good news for you on that. It's probably going to stay the no same. No chance of that happening. Listen, <laughs> it's great to be back and busy, Khalil. Yeah. I think everybody feels the same way. And again, we had the biggest unexpected that we all lived through for, for 30 months, um, taught us patience, taught us the need to be better prepared. Um, so, uh, we're, 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 we're all so grateful for the work and, and take it seriously our the responsibility we have to be better prepared. So, um, glad we got a, a few minutes today to unpack that and talk about what it looks like. In this stage. So, yeah, thanks absolutely. No, thanks, Chris. See ya. Thank you. Peace, guys. Thanks for listening to the Experience Builders podcast. Check out our website in the show notes or visit crewxp.com to learn more.